Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian Joseph McKinnon. I am joined by Mr. Jake Martin McGee and the man, the myth, the legend, uh, David Alexander Somerville. How are we doing today, gentlemen? I can't believe you full named me on our first, my first episode back. But thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Good to have you back, Dave. Uh, yeah, I just thought I'd get the, the middle names in there. Thought I could do that. Jake, what about yourself? How are you getting on? I just had to check the dates. Like we're not doing this on a Sunday, but yes, <laughs> the Sunday names are coming out. But no, it's uh, just absolutely fantastic to have Dave back with us. Thank it you is so indeed. Much for having uh, me. Yeah, welcome back, Dave. Uh, there's been loads of things going on in the NFL. Oh my <laughs> word! <laughs> right, uh, we we don't want to kill our listeners with a, a 26 hour podcast because we know that they'd listen from start to finish and like would forget to eat and sleep and stuff like that. So we don't want to do that. There've been so many trades. There's been cuts. There's been signings. Uh, obviously, we know that the roster cuts have been getting absolutely trimmed down to the 53 man rosters all across the league. There's been some surprises cuts others obviously not so surprising a couple of uh, surprising signings as well jake as ever we'll hand it over to you to kick us off with the news which parts have sort of piqued your interest the most this week around the nfl i would normally say the most interesting but it's it's hard to pick this week with uh, all the different ones but one that i think we've all kind of spoke about and we've kind of been waiting to see what happens is with jimmy garoppolo he's actually not being traded not being cut, but staying with the 49ers. So they've reworked um, a one-year deal. He gets six and a half million in guarantees. I believe it's um, half a million in per-game roster bonuses. And then another 8.45 million in playtime ex- incentives. So obviously depending on if he seals the field. Um, no, you just before we went on there, we're talking about the 49ers gave Nate Sudfield, I think it was three million guaranteed. He was obviously penciled in to be the backup once they shifted Jimmy G, but plans change. Nobody wanted Jimmy G, or the 49ers seemingly had a change of heart all of a sudden. What do we think about possibly the best backup in the league? I, I think definitely the best backup in the league. I think this was the, the smartest move for the 49ers to make. I'll be honest, I didn't think they would do it. I was convinced they would either cut him if he wasn't traded I just assumed he would go to another team. But when they when they announced the signing, I thought that, that makes absolutely perfect sense. Kyle Shanahan knows that if there's an issue of any kind with Trey Lance, he can just slot Jimmy Garoppolo straight in, no change in the offense, and they'll just do what they've been doing the past three or four years. He knows this for a fact. He may, I, I don't think he will start Garoppolo week one. I think it is Trey Lance. But he might, he might decide to just start Garoppolo um, and see what happens. So I think it's I think it's a perfect move for the 49ers, albeit very, very surprising. Uh, Dave, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. What do you reckon about this Jimmy Garoppolo move? Well, I'm going to start taking bets on how long until Trey Lance actually gets benched this season. Uh, I have no confidence in Trey Lance whatsoever. I haven't seen anything to change my mind otherwise. Um, but with the gym, with particulars about Jimmy G's contract, he has a no trade clause. He has a no franchise tag clause. So if, even if it is just a one year reworked, they're still going to pay him six point five million to sit there. Hopefully, from the 49ers point of view, for Trey Lance and 
big shout out Cameron from it as well uh, for our honorary Jets fan who's also a 49ers fan but we don't we don't like to talk about that um, but yeah the no trade clause no franchise tag clause uh, apparently was um, demanded by Jimmy G's representatives to be included in the contract so I mean it makes perfect sense from a 49ers point of view um, maybe not necessarily from the salary cap, but if they've got the space, use it, you know, and uh, they've done that with Jimmy G. So I think it's a, a pretty much a win-win for the 49ers, or for the 49ers fan base anyway. Um, I, I don't see, he's Mr. Consistent. I think we can all agree he's, he's kind of, uh, he's been there. He's, he's almost gotten to, uh, almost gotten for a ring as well. So, you know, he's, he's a good, he's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. He's not like a Matt Stafford. But um, okay, so it took me two minutes. To, two minutes to mention the Rams, but yes, yeah, so win-win for the Forty Nineers. Do, do you think? I mean, you're right. He is consistent. Uh, the team wins when he's there. They've been to a Super Bowl with two NFC Championship games. Um, I'm wondering if the no trade clause is because he was just terrified Cleveland would come calling for, for these eleven weeks, or or even Seattle. Uh, I, I I don't know. I'm just it. It does make sense, but I'm still just absolutely blown away that it happened, that the fact that he re-signed, took a pay cut to re-sign. I mean, Jake, what, what's your thoughts on this from your own point of view? It's an interesting one. It, like Dave says about Trey Lance, you know, we don't know what we're getting with him. So Jimmy G, although taking a pay cut, could definitely see the field this year. I mean, Trey Lance is a, a mobile quarterback. Mobile quarterbacks, you know, can get hurt. If he's not very good, the 49ers could then turn back to Jimmy G. This could be one of his better options to see the field. Now, like you say, with the, the Brown situation, they certainly could have taken him for 11 games. Um, but I feel like they've kind of made their bed where they are. I think it just makes what you kind of said at the start, makes the most sense for both parties. Jimmy gets to stay with the 49ers. It's a one-year deal, so we'll, you know, we'll see where he's at um, next offseason. And the 49ers get to reduce the cap number dramatically, um, but get to have a fantastic um, backup. But the only loser I see from this is Trey Lance, because all off-season it's been, this is Trey Lance's team, we don't want Jimmy here, because obviously we want Trey Lance to know it's his team, and you know, Nate Sudfield, no offence, is not posing a big threat to him. Trey Lance has now got to go out on that field and, you know, if he has two, three bad games, people are going to start talking. And that's probably not great for a young quarterback. So I think the only person that's probably unhappy that Jimmy G is still there is Trey Lance. Pressure's on. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be a, a scenario like, very, very highly unlikely that it could be like kind of Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre situation that, you know, uh, he sat out for a few years and then taken over. I mean, it's highly, highly, highly unlikely that that's going to be the situation. But I'm really worried for Trey Lance now that he could end up, if he's not, if he's what a lot of the 49ers fans think he actually is, I worry that he could end up being the next, say, Sam Darnold. You know, he'll get a year, he'll maybe get to compete for another quarterback job somewhere else and then just kind of slide into that kind of uh, journeyman role. Now, I noticed there, Dave, earlier on that you'd mentioned uh, that, that you were going to bet, you didn't want to like sort of place a bet on how long Trey Lance was going to be the starter, obviously, you know, as you week both 10. said. <laughs> week 10. I, is that a bet? 
Because you do, trust me when I tell you, you do not want to make bets with me and Jake when it comes to uh, (laughs) alcoholism. Alcoholism is just not to be promoted. (laughs) Speaking of that, Jake, um, yes, would you like to inform us what happened with regards to the kickers for the Jacksonville Jaguars? So we all are aware that I was I was 0-1 with uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars kickers. And then you posed the question to me last week if we believed that James McCourt, who they just picked up when they had no kickers, mm-hmm. would be the week one kicker. And I took the, what I thought at the time, rather ambitious take that the kicker with one week to go would not be the one kicking off the season for yeah, them. Yeah, a, a ridiculous statement in your part. Utterly ridiculous. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. So why would a team get rid of two kickers and bring in a kicker with one week to go and then come again? But hey, guess what? My faith in the Jaguars <laughs> paid off. They have waived James McCourt. Oh. Um, do they, have any, do they have any kickers now? The, the last report I see here by John Shipley is the Jaguars have 48 filled roster spots, so they've got five spare and no kickers. So I assume um, through the waivers they are picking up those players. Uh, I'm just seeing here former Lions kicker Riley Patterson is the latest one to be claimed. So we, right. we shall see okay. if Riley Patterson is going to be the kicker that wins the, the battle against, it seemingly feels, the Jaguars head coach at this point. And he just hates kickers. Yeah, he's just like, nope, not good, miss one, get out. I mean, right, so last week, when we spoke about, it was Fry and Santoso, I think that was right, yeah. wasn't it? And I'd said, how bad must Fry have been to lose a job to a guy who then loses his job with no replacement for them to bring in a guy, and then he loses his job? I mean, Mr. Fry, if you're listening... You know, I, I I hate to offend you, but you must be really bad because <laughs> like they're just going through kickers like nobody's business. Now, Jake, you said they've got five roster spots available and no kickers. They have the well, they had. Oh, the, so, sorry, they sorry, they have. So no. they, like I say, they've just picked up that. Uh, Where's it gone again? So they, they've they've got four they've got four free roster spots. I reckon they'll just get another three kickers and they'll just try all four of them. Right up until the day before actual kickoff, and then there's like a roll of dice. Um, number three, you're up. Yeah, Morton Anderson, come on up. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Jaguars have uh, claimed five players on waivers now, so they filled those spots. And like I say, the the Lions kicker Riley Patterson has filled the kicker one. Like I say, it, you know, right. still stands to see if he's actually going to be the kicker. Okay. He's, he's there for now. I, I'm, right, hang on. What do, what's the date today? Today is the 31st of August. Um, the Jaguars' first game is the 11th of September. Is that right? So 11 days? The Sunday? So Most likely. Yes. Do, yeah. do, we, <laughs> do we think Patterson's going to be there on day one kicking? I'm going to go out and all them, and I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he gets he gets cut as well, and they bring in yet another kicker. I've got faith in Riley Patterson. He's the one for me. So did I. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm going to have to side with Jake here. You know, so I, okay. I think they finally made up their okay. mind. Okay, so it was 1-1, Jake. It is. Uh, it, it, is it is 1-1. Uh, so if he is the kicker come week one, I will buy both you and Dave a pint. 
and uh, it, has, it has to be of Mackenzie cider. Mackenzie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and um, if he's not the kicker, week one for the Jaguars, then you owe me a pint. Okay, this is this is getting. Uh, Gonna need a spreadsheet at this we, point. We just are <laughs> just from Jaguars kickers. It's it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, so we should probably move on from Jaguars kickers. Uh, was there any other teams <laughs> making moves <laughs> that caught your eye, Jake? Um, let's have a look. There was quite a few interesting ones. Now, I don't know if you want to talk about the Raiders and their. Oh, massacre yes, of their previous establishment. Yes, please. yeah. I mean, that's that's. Oh, they've uh, they've they've cleaned house, haven't they? Yeah, pretty much. Well, Le- Alex Leatherwood, um, their last year's first round pick has been cut. He's been picked up by the Bears. I think he's still got three years guaranteed and a possible fifth year contract, which the Raiders have paid. I think fifty eight percent of already. Um, so if he turns out to be half decent, the Bears have got themselves a steal. Uh, but that now means none of the Raiders' first-round picks from 2020 onwards are with the team. So that's Arnett at 19, Henry Ruggs, they were both 2020, and then last year's Leatherwood. Um, and then 2019 isn't much pretty either, because they had Farrell, Jacobs, and Abram. None have had their fifth-year option picked up. So Mayock and Gruden yeah. are just getting wiped from existence as far as the, the Raiders are concerned. I mean, on, on the one hand, I think it's probably a good thing, clean slate, uh, to sort of distance yourself from the whole Mayock-Gruden thing. So I, I get that. And then there's another side of it, because when some of these picks were made, people were questioning them. I know, um, I, I don't know if you guys uh, follow Brett Coleman on YouTube at all. Uh, his reaction to Alex Leatherwood being drafted by the Raiders was absolutely priceless. Um, now, I, I'll be honest, I didn't know anything about Alex Leatherwood when he was picked, but there seemed to be a lot of people were shocked at the pick. They were just so surprised that Leatherwood was drafted where he was drafted by, by the Raiders. Dave, I'll, I'll put it to you. What do you think of this? Because, I mean, we are talking about people's jobs here, so I'm not trying to make light of the fact that People are, you know, getting cut by teams. But the likelihood is these players, uh, most of these players who've not already been picked up, will get picked up by someone else. Um, I was surprised with the, the Josh Jacobs not getting the fifth year option. Mm-hmm. So, Dave, I'll, I'll put it to you. What's your opinion on this? It's it's all going down in Las Vegas. I mean, just to point out with uh, the Alex Leatherwood situation, uh, Ian Rapshi, Rappaport, Uh, He said that they tried to trade him to everyone and got 32 no's. So even their own team said no. (laughs) (laughs) Can we trade him to ourselves? Can we trade him to ourselves? And they went no. (laughs) no. The Raiders aren't picking up the phone. You are the Raiders. (laughs) That's just the most Raiders thing ever. Do you reckon reckon Josh McDaniels in one office and Dave Ziegler's in the other office and (laughs) Josh McDaniels is like, pick up the phone and Dave's sitting in the other room he's shouting through the door. No. No. No, no, I'm not picking it up. Just, just, <laughs> we're trying to trade. We're trying to trade here. It goes, no, you can't trade. Um, I, I'm not very good accents, obviously, but I'm assuming that's how they both speak, with slightly Hebridean accents. So, <laughs> I mean, it's... that. I'm assuming uh, that was a yeah. slip of the tongue. <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, we got 32. I'm assuming it was 31. 
not actually 32 no's. Because well, they did cut him, so that was a no. So 32 teams. <laughs> yes. I, mean, I think it was more of a... I don't know what um, Alex Leatherwood did to Ian Rappaport, but he obviously just wanted to like, <laughs> kick a man whilst he's down and said, hey, look, 32 teams don't want you, pal. Um, but thankfully, the Cleveland... Uh, no, it was the Chicago Bears picked him up and they said, well, you can't be any worse than some of the players that we've got in our team. Ah, that is this... There is this. Um, the, the more I, the more I see and read about Chicago Bears this season, the more worried I get. Um, yeah. I, I, I've stated on umpteen occasions I like the Chicago Bears as an organization, but they do seem to be almost trying to self-destruct here. Um, so hopefully Leatherwood will get. Well, he will get a second chance. Hopefully he'll do well and um, you know shore up that that uh, offensive line a bit for Justin Fields. I mean, he was drafted high, but I, I don't think that anyone was surprised that he was he was drafted. I just think they were surprised he was drafted in the first round. I think that the general consensus was he was probably a high to mid-second round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, I mean, you know, he can't help how he got drafted. We've said this time and time again. It, like, you know, we bring it back to the MVP, Mitch Trubisky. It's not his fault he was drafted second overall. And he gets a lot of stick for that. People saying, he was drafted second overall. He should be better. That's not his fault. That That's all on the Bears. Mm. Actually, we're bringing it back to the Bears there. So apologies to any Chicago fans. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I, see, I agree with everything you're saying there, Dave. But I, I just think that um, that's hilarious if they, <laughs> if they yeah. try I, ca- I can't. Yeah, it's just—it's the most Raiders thing I've, I've heard in a while. The only positive spin I can kind of put on this whole—well, uh, to put, put it nicely—affair ordeal, just debacle <laughs> that's happening with the Raiders is that their 2022 first-round pick will not be cut because they didn't have a first-round pick in 2022. So that is the only positive spin I can put on it, that they cannot cut someone that does not exist. They didn't have a pick until the third round. So they've cut, is it every year since maybe 2017, the first round pick? I think something along those lines. That's that's painful. For the Raiders, you've got hope because they can't cut anymore. The streak is over. (laughs) They just can't do it anymore because they didn't get one. But I mean, yeah, I mean, most fans of teams that aren't um what's the best way to put this perennial contenders shall we say so you know you've got your teams like like the packers and the chiefs and you know up until very recently of course the patriots you know the teams that were all that have been doing well for a few years uh they're always in the playoffs they're always doing fans of all the other teams will moan and complain that their team cannot draft talent but I bet there's not many teams who every draftee from the past four years is no longer on the squad. I mean, that's that's pretty poor. Las Vegas Raiders putting the deal into ordeal there. I mean, good grief, that's just unbelievable. I, I, I can't get over that. Um, but as I said, maybe it is the right thing to do. Maybe they're just trying to distance themselves from uh, the, the gruden Mayock fiasco. That happened. A never-ending fiasco at this point, but I think just the last couple of days. I, I mean, if you if you're a Raiders fan, you know, it's a genuine sympathetic pat on the pat on the shoulder for you because the team is just 
right as the season's about to kick off, just seems to be imploding in multiple ways. Rather, you know, it's been one of the worst off seasons for the for the franchise in memory. You know, they've they've had some really good times in the past 20, 25 years. But this is just this has gone from bad to worse, and I, I don't know. It's a it's a, a three way competition between the, the Raiders, the Texans, and the Browns. Who's going to have the worst off season this year? And it's just the the Raiders are making a final push at the end. But yeah, I, I feel bad for Alex Leatherwood. You know, he, he he like we said, he didn't pick where he was getting drafted, but then to cut him what two years later, it's just. One, I, I, one, one. one. He, he was two, the last years. He yeah, was the last he, year's draft pick. He, he's not even been there eighteen months. Yeah, and just to cut him like that—that that, I mean, that he, I don't—I don't think he had a bad season. As well, I mean, he was kind of non-existent. No, I, I, uh, in, yeah, in, in, in his highlights, but you know, he, he did. He obviously didn't. I don't know. Did he not live up to expectations? Were they expecting some sort of you know star performer that, and they didn't get it? So that—that's. I don't know. Is it? Is it? Uh, yeah. Just the scouting department as well need to take a lot of responsibility for that because you, you, we we've spoken about some of the numbers before that they use for scouting for analysis. The, this is millions that have gone into that first pick and to cut them one year later. It's yeah, unheard of. You're right. We've we have spoken about this before. I mean, you you look at the amount of time and effort and money that goes into scouting for the the pick. You've got a first-round draft pick. This should be the one player you know is going to improve your franchise. Because you're picking... I mean, I, I can't remember where where the readers actually uh, picked. Was he um, 16, 17 overall? Se- 17, that's good. Se- 17 yeah. overall. So there's only 16 players in the entire country that you're not getting. Now, you've got to have, you should have your entire board with every single player that you think is worthy of drafting ready so that, you know, when number one goes, okay, we're not getting him. Number two goes, we're not getting him. You you should have that so that, well, who's the 17th player? That's where we're picking. Who do we think? If we're right about the other 16 Players getting taken. There goes Trevor Lawrence, and we know that you know Zach Wilson's going, and there goes um, who was it, uh, Pat Sertan, and there goes Penai uh-huh. Sewell, and all these players. Who do we think we're going to have? Alex, you know Alex Leatherwood. Well, I mean, if you if you're going to cut him sixteen months later, you didn't do your job. This is on you for drafting him there. This is not on Alex Leatherwood. Uh, for all we know, he might turn out to be a, a perennial Pro Bowler. At the position, because let's not forget when when um, Eric Fisher got drafted, I believe number one overall by the Kansas City Chiefs, for a good two three years he was considered an absolute bust because he was drafted number one overall. Penai Sewell for the Lions had a rough start to his season last season, and within what six games, all the fans were you know he's a bust, he's a bust. It's not his fault he got drafted eighth overall. But it turned out he had a, he really came good at the end of the season for the Lions. Punai Sewell looks the business now. And it looks like a really smart pickup by the Detroit Lions. How much of that is coaching, though? How much of this, mm-hmm. this Leatherwood is, you know, how much of his... I'm not saying he had a bad season. I'll be honest. I'm with you, Dave. He kind of seemed to disappear... But sometimes for an offensive lineman, that's not a bad thing. Because if you're hearing his name every other play, it's because he's holding. 
or do, yeah. or, or or false starts. You didn't really seem to get that sort of, uh, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, exposure uh, from yeah. Alex Leatherwood, probably because he was just doing a steady job, but maybe not first round um, first round pick job. Because you look at guys like, you know, Quentin Nelson, it's, it's hard to compare, uh, you know, apples to oranges here um and you you can't take someone who's like immediately becomes an all-pro player to someone who might struggle a bit we've said this with quarterbacks it's got to be the same across every single position when we look at the wide receivers of um last year you look at jamar chase look at the year he had and when the, the the year before when the vikings um got the guy whose name i don't remember uh, jefferson yeah, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. Like, immediate impacts. But does that make every other wide receiver taken a bust? No, of course not. They, you, you, you can't compare the guys who perform at the absolute best to every other person. And sometimes it's coaching. Sometimes it's coaching. Let us not forget, again, just bring it back to quarterbacks very quickly, Josh Allen was a bust. He was hopeless. Absolute garbage. And then all of a sudden it became great. Now, I don't believe that all of a sudden Josh Allen learned how to throw a football. I think a lot of that's to do with coaching. So here we go. I, I, I hope Alex Leatherwood does well at Chicago. Um, so fair play to I kind of went on there a bit, guys. <laughs> you know I'm guilty worry. of that. I do tend yeah. to do that. I bet you missed that, Dave. Um, so, oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. The, the only, the, uh, just to add on, I have a sneaky feeling this might have been pre-planned because their, their first pick in the draft this year was a guard in the third round. So that was Dylan Parham. Now, if, if they have pre-planned this and they've been planning to do this, that's why they would have been trying to ship him to other teams. That says, that's re- some really bad things there about the Raiders' backroom. That that that's that's quite horrible that they've given the guy one year, their first rounder, one year, and then they've gone to the third round in the ve- in the draft the very next year and drafted someone to replace him. I, th- I think that's a really kind of low, uh, a, a a low thing to, to to do to Alex Leatherwood. But I'm just wondering, was that pre-planned? Well, it's either a low thing to do or it's admitting you made a mistake. I mean, this happened to Josh Rosen. Mm-hmm. Drafted by the Cardinals, what 10th overall by the Cardinals, yep. and then the very the following year, drafted by Kyler Murray. Um, and uh, speaking of Josh Rosen, was he uh, was he, he was involved? He was, he was, he was he cut. cut. <laughs> so, uh, Jake, would you like to sort of inform us about some of the other moves then? Maybe you could start with that. Josh Rosen was indeed cut, wasn't he? Yeah, Josh Rosen was cut. Um, I believe they picked up uh, Kellen Mond. Uh, through the waivers, the Browns, um, if I remember correctly. Now, there's a, f- a few surprise cuts. Sony Michelle was cut by the Dolphins. He's meeting with the Chargers and likely to get picked up there. Um, OJ Howard was a surprise cut in Buffalo. Because again, they paid him, I think it was close to $4 million in guarantees. Um, he is now likely to sign in Cincinnati, which makes a lot of sense because they've got Hayden Hurst and then mm-hmm. not an awful lot. So it could be a good pickup for them. It is concerning that the Bills paid O.J. Howard that money and then cut him. That doesn't say a lot about O.J. Howard. It kind of uh, alarm bells will be ringing, but you know, for Cincinnati, if they can pick him up for cheap and have him as you know, a wide receiver, well, a tight end two, probably will do quite well. But yeah, there's a few surprise cuts. It's impossible to kind of keep up with them, I suppose, even now with the, the people getting cut. The interesting thing I saw was from the waivers, 
who do you think had the most players claimed team-wise? Because you won't get the answer unless you know. Um, I've no idea. Couldn't tell you. Dave, any ideas? So, I don't know. I would maybe guess it like the Patriots or some some sort of out there team that you would just haven't heard much about. You're quite right in terms of uh, an out there team. You'd, you'd think you know the Rams, the Bills, the Chiefs. These great teams with great depth would be cutting the great players. Well, it's not the like team, the Jets or something, is it? The team with the most players claimed so far. Oh, the New York Jets. Seven <laughs> players have been claimed. So the New York Jets have some unbelievable depth, um, apparently, because everyone they're cutting is getting claimed. Well, well there you go. They were quite right. <laughs> you know, Can I just point out, I did not know that. That was just the first team that came to mind. The next was going to be the Texans, <laughs> but that was just, yeah, the poor Jets fans. Yeah, Rich Eisen well, might not be too happy about that. It was another, well, I'd say surprising, but we mentioned last week uh, that Kenyon Drake was um, cut, which again, wasn't expected. Um, what was expected was a team like the Ravens would go and pick him up. Um, they've got Gus Edwards on the pup list, so he's going to miss at least four games. Um, J.K. Dobbins not 100% sure if he's going to be good to go week one, so they've gone and got Kenyon Drake. I mean, it's another fantastic move by the Ravens. They picked up Demarcus Robinson who was cut last week. I'm pretty sure he went six for 100-plus in their preseason game, extending another season unbeaten in the preseason. Uh, how, so many, how many I games didn't was curse them. Was it 20, I think 22? 23. 23. I Fantastic. But I didn't curse them. That's all I care about. They survived my curse. We, yeah. We were worried that we were actually cursing everybody at one point, didn't we, Jake? I mean, um, it seemed to be that way. I mean... But the Jaguars kickers it's seemingly still are cursed. Yeah, and uh, someone else that we mentioned last week uh, was in the news for some un- with some unsavory, I don't want to call them rumours, uh, but certainly unsavory reports, shall we say. Yeah, um, allegations. Allegations. Thank you, Dave. Um, and it was uh, Matt Ariza, the punter for the Buffalo Bills, um, who we were... Uh, just last week, talking about how he'd won the, the punting job um, after booming that 81-82 yard punt uh, in pre-season. Looked great. Uh, great pickup by the Bills there. And then allegations came out that he and some teammates, when he was in college, had uh, participated in uh, non-consensual sexual relationships with an underage girl in college. And um, obviously, we don't know any of the facts regarding this, so we're not going to speculate. Uh, we just know that reports have been filed, um, and we know that Matarai has been cut by the Buffalo Bills. Um, at the moment, he's not been picked up by any other teams. Uh, I think that's we can expect that probably to continue until this is sorted out. As I say, we don't know what's happened, so we're not going to uh, dwell on this for too long. We hope it's obviously not true, for everyone's sake. Um, so I don't know if you guys wanted to add anything to that at all. I'll be honest, I don't particularly want to talk about it until mm-hmm. we know more. But if you guys have anything you want to you want to see or you want to add to that, feel free. I'm, I'm just glad the Bills did what they did, uh, you know, Im- immediately taking action. Um, and yeah, I've said other organisations, we wouldn't name which ones, could probably learn a thing or two. 
from what the Bills did. You know, obviously he's one of the highest rated punters in the league, but well done to the Bills for taking them all high grounds. Uh, and you know, especially until all this is sorted out, I'm, I'm, I am glad to see that no one else has picked him up just yet. It's, we, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but um, yeah, hopefully everyone involved, or, you know, whatever the outcome, everyone involved gets the right support. And I think the Bills have done the right thing as well. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I should maybe point out, and I, I know some of our listeners at least will will already know this: um, the league, the NFL, uh, basically had no say in this. And what happened? Because when this alleged incident occurred, um, he was in college. He was not playing in the NFL. So if the Buffalo Bills had not cut Matariza, there was literally nothing the NFL could do. This so this was all on the Bills, saying you you know you need to do, deal with this however you see fit. So I'm I'm with you there, Dave. Um, the the bills the bills did cut him and I think for the right reasons. Jake, is, was there anything you wanted to to mention or add to that at all? Yeah, I'm not fully ready to crown the bills. They allegedly knew about this a month before, um, and obviously without the report coming out, were quite happy to make them their star and punter. Now, have they cut him? Yes. Mm. Um, did they did they know about it before? Most likely, yes. So I'm not ready to. To say well done to the Bills, I mean, I think they've just done the right thing PR-wise. Um, I'm not sure if they've done the right thing morale, you know, morals-wise. I think it's they learned from the Browns and obviously PR-wise got rid of him. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm of the, the feeling that they were probably aware of this allegation um, when they signed him. It's just how these things work out now. The Bills have signed, well, I think they're interested in the, the punter that was cut from the Broncos. Um, and I know the, the punter that they cut um, in place of Ariza, who went to the Colts, had a very good preseason game as well. So like I say, I'm not not ready to crown the Bills because I'm pretty sure they, they were aware of this beforehand. Um, speaking of teams who uh, are doing things for PR purposes, one team that's not doing what it should be doing for PR purposes, is your Los Angeles Rams, Dave. Because uh, a certain Mr. Aiden Donald was captured on camera in a joint practice with the Cincinnati Bengals, swinging helmets at the opposition. Two, in fact, one in each hand. Now, the NFL can't do anything about this because it's in practice. Doesn't take place in a game. Not not even preseason. So the NFL, they are out of this. Um, and everyone basically look at this and say, well, he should be suspended. The team, the Rams, should suspend him. Now, we all know they're not going to suspend Aaron Donald. <laughs> yes. We, we know that, of, of course, they're not going to. They should, but they won't. Um, and I'm not going to sort of put you on the spot, Dave, and say, you know, as a Rams fan, what's your viewpoint in this? I'm not going to do that to you. Uh, but it what what I question is why can't the NFL do anything about this it's, it, this is not like this happened in a Rams practice this was against an opposing team mm-hmm. but he could have seriously injured and let's not forget Aiden Donald is a big guy um I, I think we're all aware that he's probably one of the strongest players in the NFL I think if if he hit me with a helmet I'd I would probably be about three feet tall by now. 
facial reconstruction. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a huge strong man. Um, he could have seriously injured or worse one of the, the members of the Cincinnati Bengals there. The NFL, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, should have some say when it comes to uh, between teams. If you've got in, inter-team, intra-team, that'd be intra, wouldn't it? Uh, between two teams, um, if you, you've got that, I, I think the NFL should have some say, but they don't. Uh, the Rams will not suspend Aiden Donald. He should, he should, Definitely be suspended, um, but we we we're not not going to happen. So that's uh, that's Aiden Donald with the Los Angeles Rams there. But if you want to add anything, Dave, you can. But I'm not going to put you on the spot there. I think the only thing really to say we we spoke about this in one of our earliest episodes about the NFL's rules and regulations and how that they need updating and they need updating fast. I I would I would agree with you. I I think that there should. Maybe I don't know whether he should be suspended or, but there should be some sort of guidelines in place for for these kind of incidents. Um, whether it be that uh, he he gets suspended, he gets fined. I, I mean, there has to be something to prevent this kind of behaviour. Uh, I'm I'm not condoning it in any way, shape, or form. Um, but yeah, the, it's I think the NFL have to take well for for the outcome of no suspension, no fine whatsoever. I think the NFL needs to take a, a much better look and a much closer look at their own guidelines, their own kind of rules and regulations, because at yeah. the moment, from what we've seen, there's just nothing. Well, yeah, I, th- I think the thing is, because because it's practice, the uh, NFL PA would, you know, they'd have something to say, is, uh, you, you can't get involved in this, this is practice. However, mm-hmm. let, let's say, you know, uh, not obviously not worst case scenario, but let's say he has injured a member of the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's say he breaks his collarbone, hits him on the yeah. collarbone of the helmet, breaks his collarbone. That player could be out for six weeks, eight weeks, and then there's no repercussions because the Rams like well, I'm not going to find him. If that's the case, you're going to have um, I hate to use the term bounty gates, but that's what you will have in joint yeah. practices. Yeah. You will have them going out to intentionally injure opponents. Um, because there's no, because there is no repercussion. So I think you're right, Dave. That the NFL does need to look at that and say, you know, if it's if it's a joint practice, what if you want to beat up your own guys? If you want to damage your own team, knock yourselves out. Well, well, literally, you know, if, if, you, if you want to do that, go ahead, fill your boots. But if you're scrimmaging, or, or I think that's what they call it, you know, practicing against another team. And there's infractions of that kind, which could be deemed as dangerous, causing injury. However they want to define it legally, I don't know. I think at that point, the NFL should have some sort of powers to say, and they can say to the team, sort this out in-house or else we will. Yeah. And so, but, you know, I'm just spitballing there. I'm not really sure exactly how that would work. But uh, uh, Jake, I mean, what what did you think of that? Did Did you see the incident? There was a couple of videos online about it did you see it and what's your thoughts didn't particularly see the incident i remember you mentioned it to me it felt very you know miles garrett uh, except that was during a game so the nfl could do something like you say it's it's annoying when these incidents happen like you said earlier with with the college incident that the nfl legally just go oh well it's not our problem it was in practice not a problem it was before he was in the nfl not a problem still your player Still, you know, someone like Aaron Donald as well. Still, someone very marketable. 
um, and you know who will be in a lot of adverts, a lot of things. You know, I'm not quite sure how they think it's a, a realistic answer for them to be like, well, we would love to do something, but we can't. It just seems a very, very much a cop out to, my, to me. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? I, I'm not sure how much of that is them copping out and how much of them is going legally we can't do anything yeah. you know it's like we, we actually can't do anything i know you'd we'd love to but we can't or how much of it is like well you know we can't that's it's it's difficult to tell difficult to tell sometimes uh but we won't we, you know talk about too much about in donald practice of course we've still got loads of things to talk about one thing i want to mention um sorry to to step on your, your news here jake um philip Lindsay was cut by the Indianapolis Colts. Now that is the single stupidest preseason decision uh, by the Colts. I was going to say by any team in the NFL. That's <laughs> really awesome. <laughs> we all know that. Um, I, I'm just, I'm dumbfounded that he was cut. Now I know some people have said, well, right, they've got Jonathan Taylor. They've got Neem Hines. Why do they need Philip Lindsay? Well, one of the reasons you need Philip Lindsay is because it's good to have three running backs in your team. Really good to have three. Well, I'd say not just three running backs, but three good running backs. And Philip Lindsay is a good running back. I don't care what anyone else says. He's a hard-working individual. He's an excellent runner. And he has the best ball security of anyone in the entire league. Let me remind anyone who's not aware or who has forgotten, Philip Lindsay has never fumbled. Never fumbled in college and has never fumbled in the NFL. He's probably the only person in the league with more than uh, a year's experience who's never fumbled. Uh, only running back, I should say. So I, I, I'm, I'm really annoyed at that. Now, ordinarily, I would say, I want the Broncos to pick him up. However, um, I watched Mike Boone in preseason, and he looks good for the Broncos. Third string running back behind Melvin Gordon and um, Javonte Williams. Mm -hmm. um, Boone appears to be the third string running back. I'm going to say he is the third string running back. Um, although you, you could argue that Gordon and, and Williams are 1A, 1B, as opposed to 1 and 2. Um, but as, as I've said before, when the Broncos cut Philip Lindsay, I was, I, I was raging. I couldn't believe it. I would rather they, they got cut Melvin Gordon and kept Philip Lindsay and had Javonte Williams. That, that, that's a backfield for me because the one thing that Melvin Gordon's done a few times in his career is fumbled at the worst moments. It's not, it's not like he's a fumbling machine. It's not like he's Daniel Jones. Right? No offense, Daniel, if you're listening, apologies. But you're not very good at the ball. So um Melvin Gordon just has a tendency to fumble at the worst time, usually like in the fourth quarter, or when you're on a drive about to take the lead or tie the game. This is when Melvin Gordon has a tendency to fumble, and it just absolutely grinds my gears. So Philip Lindsay is out there, and if he's not been picked up yet, I don't know if he has been picked up yet. If he's not, whichever team gets Philip Lindsay is getting an incredible player with literally the best hands in the league because he's never fumbled. So um, I don't know. Would you would you like to see him um, on the Saints as a backup to Alvin Kamara there, Jake? Or what, what do you think? 
Yeah, depending on money-wise, absolutely. But I think if Alvin Kamara was looking to get suspended this year, the Saints would definitely be stooping around. Now it looks like that's most likely going to get pushed back to, to next season. I actually forgot about that, yeah. Yeah, so, so it keeps on getting pushed back. So it's likely any suspension um, would come next year from Lux. Obviously, we've got Mark Ingram kind of backing him up. So I, I'd be surprised if we went for him, but you know, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't hate it. What would be you, uh, Dave? Rams? You reckon they could use someone like Philip Lindsay? I would love Philip Lindsay at the Rams. We, we we have that structure of three running backs at a time. So we've got, Cam, last season we had Cam Akers, we had uh, Henderson, and we had Sonny Michel. So we, we do rotate. The only problem is, uh, would you say he's, he, he would probably fill in as like a third, uh, well, yeah, maybe a third, third down running back more than anything else with the Rams. But uh, I, I mean, like you said, he's Mr. Dependable. You know, you, you can't you, you can't kind of underestimate a person, uh, a running back's ability to hold on to the ball, especially you know when it comes to uh, fumbles in his league. How many points? How many uh, lost yardage happens every single game because of fumbles? So, oh yeah, and, 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 with, with his record, yeah, with his record, absolutely, I I would take him in a heartbeat. He's he's played two full seasons. Uh, he had a season cut short by injury with the Broncos. Uh, he went to the Dolphins. He, he only played in a couple of games with them. Uh, I think he went to the Texans as well, played in a couple of games with them. He played two full seasons, 1,000 yards both times. Um, and I can I can categorically... Oh, my goodness, I can't because I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, <clears throat> I can categorically tell you that uh, although he had 2,000-yard seasons, he would have had two 1,500-yard seasons if it hadn't been for Mr. Garrett Bowles at the time being, the you know, just a holding machine. I, I lost count of the amount of 30, 40-yard runs and touchdown runs by Philip Lindsay that were called back by holding penalties. It was ridiculous. It felt like every game. And I know it wasn't every game, but that's the way it was so happening so often that I felt like every single game, Philip Lindsay was losing 40 or 50 yards and a touchdown because of holding penalties, um, mostly by Garrett Bowles. He's cleaned himself up. I'm the first person to hold my hands up and say, Garrett Bowles is a sterling player. And he, there's another one, a bust. He was being called a bust by a lot of Denver fans, including myself. I was convinced Garibalds and and when you know every off season, I was like, I hope to get rid of Garibalds. Just get rid of him, and we'll be fine. Anyone, just put a plank of wood there. At least he's not going to hold. But he turned out to be. Uh, I funnily enough, in his contract year, <laughs> uh, Garibalds turned out to be one of the best left tackles in the game. So hey, you know, even I can be wrong sometimes. Sometimes, once in a blue moon. <laughs> We do have some breaking news. Oh, go for it. From one Jordan Schultz. The Eagles are trading wide receiver Jalen Rager to the Vikings. I'm told the conversation for Philadelphia is as follows. A seventh round pick in 2023 and a conditional 2024 fifth round pick that could become a fourth round if certain statistical marks are met. Now, there was an interesting little caveat. That's the... Former first round draft pick Rager was taken one pick before Justin Jefferson in the 2020 draft. Um, and now they're playing together, so an interesting one. And because of that, what I was saying earlier, he'll be considered a bust by all the Philadelphia fans. 
That that's that's what that is. The fans will think he's rubbish because he's not Justin Jefferson, and it's completely unfair. And I'll tell you what, with uh, Kirk Cousins slinging the rock around, I'll bet you these guys a really good year this year, Minnesota. Especially because Justin Jefferson will be getting double teamed every single game, or at least you know have the the best uh, uh, man marker on them. So yeah, good for you. That's oh, I like it. I like it when we get breaking news while we're on air and not forty five minutes after we finish. There's a lot about the wide receiver market. Sorry, Jake, just uh, interrupt, but it says a lot about the wide receiver market. I mean, look at Amari Cooper. He got traded for just pittance. Uh, from the Cowboys, and yet you know Jalen Rager, he's he's all, he's obviously a very talented player, but again, he's getting traded for very very little. That's uh, a, you know, so yeah, that's a good point. Wide receivers, running backs, yeah, wide receivers, running backs. If you don't fit in the system or you have one bad year, that that's that's you virtually done. Was wasn't wasn't Amari Cooper traded for like a swapping seventh and a fifth? Was that right? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. So it was so very... Essentially yeah, just very a fifth. Similar. So they're basically yeah. saying that Jalen Rager is worth more than Amari Cooper. I don't know. It's, Jake, it's, what, it's, a, yeah, it's bad your, for the wide receivers. What's your opinion, Jake? On what, the, all the trades? Because that's what I was going to bring up next. It's just the... I don't know if it's because we're doing the podcast, so I'm more aware of it. I've never seen so many trades around this kind of time period. I mean, people, like Dave says, are getting traded for pennies on the... Pennies on the it's it's just insane, you know, whether it's sixth round, seventh round. I mean, I wanted to talk about, obviously, um, Gardner-Johnson, again, the Eagles. I mean, if the Saints had thrown that out there just after the season ended, they would have been looking, surely, for you know a second, a third... And then to get, to, I think it was like a fifth and a, and a seventh. Oh no, it was fifth and a sixth, and we gave up a seventh. I mean, these players, you know, some real good players. There's no saying that Jalen Rager doesn't turn out to be a great wide receiver, especially behind um, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. He's gonna, like I say, be single covered. Um, the Eagles are getting a, an absolutely fantastic player in CJ Gardner Johnson. It's yeah. What? What? It's just yeah. What? What? What do you make of that? That was. Um... Um, if I can remember, sorry, you you might need to remind me a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh. Is that right? No, what? a fifth and a sixth. We gave up a seventh. Wow, a fifth and a sixth mm-hmm. for a, a really good player in Gardner Johnson. Very good. I mean, this just again makes me feel better and better about my Eagles prediction earlier on when we were doing the the divisions. I mean that the. the the Cowboys are getting worse by the day. Um, we'll touch on Tyron Smith maybe after this. Uh, but, the, you know, the Cowboys are getting worse by the day. I, at the moment, I don't think they have a backup quarterback. So if that goes down, they, they don't have one on the roster. And the Eagles just continue to make great moves. You know, Harry Roseman just making great moves now. I'm not sure you can count Rager as a great move, um, like I say, because just of the, the little they've got um, for him. But it's just... It was annoying with uh, Connor Johnson because he's very good at what he does, which is wind people up, including his own teammates. <laughs> um, but we've, I've spoken about it before, the Saints have an absolutely stacked secondary. Yeah, They had contract talks with Connor Johnson, who's in, come into his last year of his contract, obviously didn't agree or, or come close to agreeing. Um, so rather than having a provocative uh, person who's going to probably cause issues... 
and you know not even play that much this year. They decided to cut basically cut him, uh, well, cut the losses, uh, and the Eagles have definitely benefited from it. I mean, it, I think it's fantastic for the Eagles. Uh, I think he'll play, and I think he'll play a lot and, and be fantastic for them. And yeah, the I, Saints have plenty of cover in the secondary. I mean, through who they've drafted and who they've um, brought in, but it's it was not something I expected to see anyway. No, I, I, I didn't expect it either. I was surprised when I saw that. Uh, I get where you're coming from. This will improve the Eagles more than it hurts the Saints. Uh, definitely. But I, I, I still think, because, you know, the Saints do have a great secondary. It's got a lot of depth. But um, it it's not a lot. You're right, pennies in the dollar. That that's that's not a lot of get back for um I think you could argue one of the one of the best young players at the position in the entire NFL. He was great in the slot, um, can play safety, and that seemingly is what the the, the Eagles are looking for. They were rumored to be looking around um to, to trade for someone that can play safety for them and to get a player like that, you know, a young player like that for, for cheap. I mean, if he turns out to be the player that you know he has been or, or, or can be, um, they'll obviously sign him to a, a nice contract next year, I would imagine. If not, they can cut their losses in terms of you know his contract will be up, and, and they've only given up you know a fifth and a sixth for it. So, so I win one of those. They probably already got back just from from the Vikings. So it's so no, I can't really see a, a, a way that the Eagles lose here. No, definitely not. Um, Dave, do you have any any thoughts on that? I mean, it is a it is a good sign for the Eagles, and and the more the more we look at this, the more I think Jake's prediction of the Eagles winning the NFC might have been might be right after all. Uh, they have made some great moves. Uh, yeah, but for for the wider division in general, I think if anything happens to Dak Prescott, the Eagles walk that division. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Eagles seem to be going from strength to strength. Uh, did I say Eagles or the Vikings? Uh, yeah, sorry, the e- Eagles. Eagles yeah. E- yeah, yeah. So e- Eagles are going from strength strength to strength. But uh, yeah, I mean, do do you see them as kind of uh, not necessarily? I think they probably will get to the uh, to the playoffs. But do you see them as a bigger threat now, uh, a more kind of concrete threat to the other teams in the NFC because? I think there may be just one or two lights, but you know you can't argue that. Well, well actually, I'll put the question to both of you guys. Do you see them as the strongest in their division now? Eagles, I saw the strongest in the division months ago. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That, my, my only issue with the Eagles, and I, I honestly think it is now. The only issue is I'm not a hundred percent on Jalen Hurts. I'm just not. I, he's got the talent. We we can see that. I just I, I'm I need to wait and see it. The problem is that I I know what Dallas are like, regular season wise. Mm-hmm. They're always consistent, and they we write them off every year, and they, they end up winning that division. Jake might be right. I think the Eagles might have the most talent in that division. They might be the most talented team in the entire division. But I need to wait and see what Jalen Hurts is going to give me. We know he's a great athlete. Um, but I'm just not ready to crown them just yet. Insert Dennis Green <laughs> quote. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. With the um, Cowboys, I mean... Tyron Smith, uh, starting left tackle. 
suffered an avulsion fracture of the knee. Um, sounds very similar to what Mackay Becton has. Um, likely done for the season. Um, Jerry Jones came out and said, oh, we'll have him back for the playoffs. Because they're definitely going to be in the playoffs, Jerry, aren't they? <laughs> um, but the, the Cowboys' offensive line, which for you know the past decade has always been basically their strength, is looking incredibly ropey. I mean, you know, they've cut Lyle Collins. He's gone to, to the Bengals. They lost Tyron Smith. I mean... It's not looking too healthy. I am worried for the Cowboys. But like you say, in the regular season, they always seem to put it together. I mean, it helps when you get to play the Giants and the Commanders twice a season. But I would be more, you know, as, like I say, as the days go by, the Eagles seem to get better and the Cowboys seem to get worse, you know, whether by luck or judgment. So I think it's a massive loss for them, Tyron Smith. I, I think it definitely is. Like it's a, a big, big loss. I think they'll miss him. Heck of a lot more than Jerry Jones would like to admit. Now, there's a couple of other kind of injury ones. I saw that uh, Byron Jones for the Dolphins is going to start on the pup. Um, so he will miss uh, the first four. Um, spoke about um, Gus Edwards. But for the most part, it's just been that the, the cuts, the signings. And I think, well, I think this is the 10th trade I can think of in the last kind of four or five days. So it's there's been a lot of uh, up and downs. It's it's almost impossible to keep track of it, feels like. It feels like the more, um, the, the, the closer we get to the season, the more frantic these trades are getting. Um, I hope we don't see any more injuries in, in like, you know, in practice, final practices. Um, but the, the closer we get to the season, these trades are just flying in left, right and centre. And I understand because, you know, a lot of players getting cut. You know, they're just trimming down the 53-man roster. So there is a, an ocean of players out there for other teams to pick from. Um, but I'm just... I, do you know what? I just can't, I can't wait for the season to start. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just can't wait. I'm just like, come on, please. Where is the season? Well, just what, one last trade rumour that I've seen is that the Panthers are taking calls for trades for Robbie Anderson. Yeah. So, well, you remember when they were linked to sign Baker Mayfield, he came out and basically tweeted that he didn't want him. So <laughs> it's, that, that, that doesn't surprise me too much when he's just been announced as a starting quarterback. I don't think he's probably forgotten that Robbie Anderson was very vocal on Twitter saying he didn't want that. So. <laughs> well, I want, probably I not the smartest who... move. Yeah, I wonder who won that franchise battle. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure they'll have interest, but I don't know. Well, I know they won't get much for him because, one, when you basically put out there that you're looking to trade someone or they come out and say they want to trade, that brings down their value. And currently, there is no value, basically. Yeah. Everyone's getting traded for, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, conditional sevenths, but, you know, <laughs> that they may never even see a pick for. So. Yeah, I was, gonna, point, I was just going to say, I think it's going to be a 2050 seventh round conditional <laughs> at this point. <laughs> it, that just might watch, be the way it goes. Just watch the Eagles go out and say, you know, there's like sixth round pick we've got for Rego. Yeah, let's go get Robbie Anderson. That, you know, in, in without, you know, it seems to be that way. I think one of the picks the Vikings used um, was one they got yesterday from the Texans. So it is just everyone's just swapping picks. I hate when you try and get a draft chart and it says, you know, hit, you know, this is the, the Texans seventh round pick that they got from the Minnesota Vikings who got it from the, the Philadelphia Eagles that got it. And you're just like, how, how, how does someone keep track of this? And 
I feel for that person's job, it seems to be getting worse and worse. It's just everyone's kind of trading everything they've got at this point. I blame the Rams, personally. <laughs> wow. Why not? Why wouldn't you? I'm- <laughs> one episode back and this is how it goes wow <laughs> yeah you missed this we all know it you missed this yeah you love like it. a hole like a hole in the head i missed that yeah <laughs> fantastic uh jake was there any more points you would like to bring up before we move on to our next segment the only other things i can think of we were, when we're talking about the raiders and their kind of turnover of draft picks i thought it was quite interesting that the minnesota vikings have now cut six of their 11 um, draft picks from last year. Now, only two of the surviving five are likely to see starting snaps. Again, different kind of regime in there, uh, going in and kind of cleaning slates, but it's just incredible that you can get it so wrong. I mean, you know, I don't know whether to applaud them for recognizing they got it so wrong and getting rid of these players or scold them for getting it so wrong because it's just, it blows my mind that you can make a decision and then a year later go ah that was a really bad decision let's just get rid of all the evidence as quickly as we can <laughs> i can just imagine and then the that. only <laughs> yeah it's, it's, i mean it, it's almost like the, the new gm and the new coaches coming in just go yeah i don't want any of these players they're, they're yeah. not my players i mean yeah. you see you know you see you see that but even so you'd like to think the scouting department or you know they, they know what they're doing and some of these players can transition into a new regime, but not the case in um, Las Vegas, and it doesn't seem to be the, the case in Minnesota either. Definitely not. <laughs> but I think that was really all I had. Um, news-wise, like I say, we, it would be a 90-hour episode if we went through all the trades, all the cuts, all the signings. It's It's been a good time to just sit there and refresh Twitter, but... But that's most of the most of the bulk of it, I think. Well, in that case, gentlemen, uh, should we perhaps think about uh, moving on to our next segment? Yes. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Are you sure? So, yeah, yeah, let, yeah. Let's just, do that. It is like, oh, no, no, I don't really fancy that at all. Uh, yes, uh, and our next segment is, of course, random stats. So, um, Dave. Uh, it's been a while since we've had a random stat from you. Would you like to go first or last? I'm going to give you the choice here. You can basically, you're getting the, the flip of the coin, but it's a three-way coin. So you can three, either go, A three-way coin? Yeah, so, <laughs> so uh, if it's heads, you go first. If it's tails, you go last. If it lands on the edge, you go in the middle. That, that, that's, like, that's like a Patriots coin right there. <laughs> just just de- deflate the coin into a th- so it's three ways. Um, uh, you know what? I'll go last. I'll, I'll take last then. Fair enough. In that case, why don't I go first with the random stats? I'm so, the sandwich. I'm the filling in the sandwich. You're the you're the edge of the coin, Jake. The edge of the coin. That's what you are. Way to make me feel wanted. <laughs> right. So, um, my random stat concerns two different teams. Now, we're going to go um, back a few years to 2011, and then we're going to go back a few more years. To 1977. Now, a lot of people think 1977—that's a long time ago. It's really not. It's the year I was born. It's not that long ago at all. So uh, we'll start at 1977, and we're going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, because now back then there was only 14 games in a season, and the Kansas City Chiefs' defense wasn't the best in 1977. It wasn't great. In fact. 
it holds the record for the most yards allowed rushing in a 14-game season um, with 2,971 yards. Uh, For those people who are trying to get their calculators out immediately, the Kansas City Chiefs that season allowed 212 rushing yards per game. That's a lot, I think, by anyone's standards. So um, what we'll do is, well, have a wee think about this, guys. I'm going to let you take guesses. What do you reckon the Kansas City Chiefs' record was in 1977 when they allowed 212 rushing yards per game? 14-game season. Uh, Jake, why don't you take a first pop at this? What do you reckon? I reckon they went six and eight. Six and eight. Dave, what do you think? I reckon since you are asking us, this is going to be something completely out of nowhere. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to go for over a 14 game. I'm going to say nine and five. Nine and five. Well, good guesses, gentlemen. Good guesses. Completely wrong, of <laughs> course. The Kansas City Chiefs in the year, they allowed 212 rushing yards per game, finished with a record of two and 12. <laughs> They were absolutely destroyed by everyone. Uh, two and twelve, they finished in nineteen seventy-seven uh, with the the worst rushing defense in the history of the NFL. Now, here we go to our next one. In two thousand and eleven, a team, and I'm not going to tell you the name of the team, allowed the most passing yards in a season. 4,796 yards. Now, over 16 games, that's 299.75 yards. So, for all intents and purposes, they allowed 300 passing yards per game in 2011. I'm not going to tell you the name of the team just yet. I want you to tell me what you think their record might have been allowing 300 yards Per game passing. What do you reckon? 300 yards passing. That doesn't really sound like an awful lot. Am uh, I crazy? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, in, not in today's game. It is, it is the most ever. 300 yards per game. So that's, a, that's an average of what they allowed passing the ball. What do you reckon the, the record was? 16 games. They probably won 11 or 5. 11 or 5, Dave? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go for a steady eight and eight. Eight and eight. Well, I can tell you, in two thousand and eleven, the team that allowed the most passing yards in the history of the NFL was the Green Bay Packers, who went fifteen and one. <laughs> <laughs> Ended up losing the divi- divisional uh, round of the playoffs, fifteen and one, with the worst passing defense in the history of the NFL. And the team with the worst rushing defense in the history of the NFL, 14 games, went t- 2 and 12. So, anyone who tells you that running the ball isn't important, stopping the run isn't important, should remember the 1977 Kansas City Chiefs and the 2011 Green Bay Packers. And that is my random stat. Good one. I like a two parter. Jake, handing it over to you, pal. What's your random stat for us? 
Mine is much uh, shorter and much more enjoyable because I wanted to find something hang to bury the Browns. What do you mean much more enjoyable? Oh, right, but the Browns, oh, in that oh, case, oh, it is much more enjoyable. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I can't I, argue with that. I but. appreciate giving the comeuppance. So the, my random stat is that it's a two-par as well. Uh, the Browns haven't won a week one game since 2004. That is part one. So that is great news for the Carolina Panthers and Baker Mayfield. Um, but the cherry on top, so not only have they not won a week one game since 2004, since they returned to the NFL in 1999, they are 121 and 1. The Cleveland Browns suck in week one, and I look forward to seeing them suck again in week one. How in the name of the wee man? As an organization, <laughs> when one out of 23 attempts the first game of the season, you've literally had all off-season to prepare for this game. You've got 50%. You've got, you got 50% <laughs> chance of winning the game. And somehow you've been wrong 22 times. <laughs> one, 21 and one. I mean, I, I doubt. I mean, how? how? That's... That doesn't compute. I'm sorry. That that's that is a a lesson in futility. It really is. It's a masterclass in being rotten. One twenty one and one. They can't blame all of that on. Uh, ah, I've forgotten his name now. <laughs> the guy who went on sixteen. Ah, I've completely forgotten his name. Do apologize. Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah there we go. Yeah. Can't blame all that on Hugh Jackson. He was only there for like two or three years. So, you know, <laughs> we're talking about a 23-year span of opening day games that all your fans are geared up for. It's opening day. It's week one. Scott Hansen's just about to utter the immortal words about seven hours of commercial free football. <laughs> Everyone, every single Cleveland Browns fan Every fan of every team is sitting there knowing right at this second before that ball's kicked off, we're undefeated. And then, after we go on, <laughs> three hours later, I should say, for 21 out of 23 times, the Browns have been 0-1. Serves them right. <laughs> I, I, okay. I, I uh, always like the, you know, your team's logo here. It's normally, I think it's normally Fox or someone that does it. You know, the undefeated teams that That's just right. slowly, slowly disappears. And uh, good news for Browns fans, you don't need to worry. Don't turn your notifications on for that one. You, you won't be there. Yeah. <laughs> one twenty-one and one. <laughs> That's rubbish. I mean, by any stretch of the imagination, there's there's no there's no way anyone can put like a positive spin on that. <laughs> None. It doesn't exist. That's absolute. When did they? When did they tie? When did they tie week one? When was that? That wasn't that long ago, was it? Oh, I didn't delve that. I I did delve into it to make sure it was legit because it was one of those things that you think isn't possible. How can you? Do yeah. that in a fifty percent chance, but uh, it's, uh, I did not see when the when the tide. It's 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 not that long ago. I am convinced uh, because I know that there, the, you know, just over the last few years, there seemed to have been a whole spate of uh, ties 
uh, in, in games. And, you, you know, we, there never used to be for years and years and years. There was no tied games. Then all of a sudden there was. Ah, it was in 2018. Daydream Week 1 with the Pittsburgh Steelers, 21-21. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that was a home as well. So that would have been good for the fans. <laughs> so they've not won an away game. <laughs> That's brilliant. Are they are we at home to, to Carolina? Do we know? I think it's at the Panthers because it would have been too tasty if it was at the Brown surely. Mm-hmm. I feel like we definitely would have heard of heard ah, that. Probably, probably. Uh, so there you are. That's a great stat, Jake. I love that. That's absolutely any, any opportunity to, to humble the Browns. Oh yeah, just just wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Dave, we're going to hand over to you uh, for the first time in a while. What is your random stat? Okay, so. What I thought I would do, I, I mean, I was trying to look into um, cut, uh, sort of weird cuts and really surprising cuts that have happened uh, pre-season uh, over the years. And um, one thing that came up, now, as, as some of you will already know, uh, of, of the listeners listening to the podcast, about the, the curse, the Madden curse. So this is where co- cover stars of the EA game Madden, uh, they quite often get injured, so you've got it, it's hence named the Madden Curse. Now, this actually happened to a player, and it led to him getting cut and led to the end of his career. Now, this player, I'm going to take some guesses from you guys. So he was drafted in 2000. He retired in 2008. He's a two-time rushing touchdown leader. He's a running back. He's also had the highest rushing yards in the league one year, three-time Pro Bowler, one Offensive Player of the Year. Who is he? Drafted in 2000. I don't know if any of us wants to take this because I'm either going to look a fool or I'm pretty confident I know who this is. Um, I, I'll take a guess. I don't know who this is. He was on the cover of Madden in 2000, you see. Uh, it would have been 2005, 2006 oh. he was on the cover, but he was drafted in 2000. Oh, sorry, 2006. Um, and he was a two-time touchdown? Two-time rushing touchdown, touchdown leader. Touchdown leader. Uh, right, I'm guessing, was it Sean Alexander? Jake, any guesses? That's who I was going to go with. Yes, you're both spot on. Yeah, and he was he was also uh, an, uh, a league MVP as well. Was he? Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, he was also a league MVP. Um, so he, he's also the first player to be on the Madden cover and the NCAA football cover of the of their uh, version of the game as well. Um, so he was the fourth taken running back in 2000. Um, you, you know, he also holds the franchise record for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, of he rushed for thirty five, well thirty five attempts, and he rushed for two hundred and sixty six yards in November two thousand one against the Raiders. So he had such a glittering career. Now he actually has he's, he's a very exclusive member of a club where he actually ran for one hundred touchdowns in his career, and he actually retired. In 2000, and at the end of 2008, he retired. So he wasn't in the, even in the league that long. But the stat that I really want to sort of give to you, uh, just to emphasize the Madden curse, is that in 2006, he signed an eight-year, 
$62 million contract, which at the time was the highest for a running back. It only gave 15.1 guaranteed, which by today's standards, that's not a whole lot. But after signing that contract, in week three, he broke his foot. Now, in November, he came back with still a broken foot, but he was playing through the injury. He kept playing. Didn't have the worst year, but didn't have the best year. 2007, the following year, week one, he fractured his wrist. Week nine, when, just after coming back, he sprained his knee and his wrist, but he still managed to reach the 100 touchdown, uh, rushing touchdown record. Well, it, it's an exclusive club. But then at the end of the 2007 season, two years after signing that, well, not, not even two years, about a year and a half after signing that eight-year deal, the Seahawks cut him. Oh. So that and that that's a huge kind of bill for the Seahawks there. But yeah, they they cut him uh, about eighteen months later. He did join the Redskins, uh, so the the Red acted uh, for uh, 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 about, uh, I don't know, probably about two months. But um, but he he didn't play him very much at all, and he decided to call it a day after that. But that is how it's it following on from what the Raiders have done clearing house. The Seahawks did that with. You know, a franchise leader, a franchise record, uh, three-time Pro Bowler, and all in the space of less than a decade did Sean Alexander achieve all that. But then, as soon as it came to sort of thoughts of clearing house, he was one of the first ones out the door. So, big shout out to Sean Alexander, but this just shows how brutal preseason can be. Absolutely, it can. Did he not have a... Um, did he not rush for, like, over 20 touchdowns in a season? Uh, I've got the numbers. I think he had one season where he rushed for over 20. I'm sure he did. In fact, I'm tempted to say it was like 25 touchdowns he scored in a season. I'm sure he had one 27. Season. 20, 27. Oh that Lord. was the 2005 season when he set right. the franchise records of 1,880 yards and 27 touchdowns. Good Lord. Uh, that was 27 rushing touchdowns. Uh, and he, he added one, receiving one as well. That's a ridiculous ridiculous amount of touchdowns that's that's just that's a stupid amount of touchdowns for one but player. That, that but that's also what led to that eight-year contract but you, no what wonder. happens with patrick patrick mahomes what if he like gets a fractured wrist never recovers oh what's i don't want to think about that to, oh. what's the bill going to be for patrick mahomes to get cut less than it would be for deshaun watson just saying just going to have to bankrupt the Chiefs at this point. Um, my goodness, that's that's incredible, absolutely incredible. Sean Alexander was a great player. He was uh, a fantastic running back. He really, he really did put the Seahawks on the map. I remember many, many years ago when I was traveling down to London for a game at Wembley. Um, I was on the train from Glasgow down to London, and there was. Fans of every team wearing all the different shirts and that. But there was a considerable amount of Sean Alexander jerseys. I remember that. And uh, it was, um, yeah, he was a great player. Just cut, just cut short, cut short by injury. That's, that's a terrible shame. Uh, I mean, speak, speaking of this, oh sorry, David, I didn't mean. I was, to I, was just, I was just no, sorry, I was just going to add on. He um, up in two thousand one to two thousand five, he had cons consistent uh, thousand plus yard seasons uh, from his second year out of college, 
and then he was on course for a sixth straight one in 2006 before his injury. So he was on just shy of 900 yards after 10 games. So he was still putting up, up the numbers right up until um, the, the end of that 2006 season when he, had, he was in the first year of his eight-year deal. So, you know, it can happen to the best of players. Uh, just uh, that, that's, what, that's what I mean with Patrick Mahomes. That could be career. You know, anything could happen to his arm, his wrist. He's done. Well, maybe the, the Chiefs the are done. <laughs> well, yeah. The, the, the numbers you're talking about there, if you sort of extrapolate that over another five years, six years, that's Hall of Fame numbers you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Hall of Fame but, numbers. But the curse of Madden. Yeah, that is that. That is that. We've we've heard about it so many times. Peyton Hillis. Does anyone remember Peyton Hillis? I I vaguely do, yes. So so Peyton Hillis, for for those who don't know, um, he was a fullback. Big, big guy. Um, He was drafted by the Denver Broncos. He played them for a couple of years. I forget when this happened. Um, But in his rookie year, I remember watching him play a bit and he was he looked really good he only played in a handful of games but you know he scored a few touchdowns and he uh, he, he was like averaging like five yards of carry or something like that and he was a very good receiving back um and then I think he had a, like a, a slight niggling injury the following year I, I I can't remember what year this was but um he got traded to the Cleveland Browns he wasn't the starting running back for the Broncos uh, as I said, he, he was a fullback. He got traded to the Browns and he went off. He had like a thousand yards and scored, like, I think it was 10 touchdowns or something. He yep. had and caught another 50 passes for 500 yards. I forget the, the exact numbers, but he just absolutely went off. And the, that off season, he got a new contract and he was put in the cover of Madden. I think that was mm-hmm. actually picked by the fans. I've got a funny feeling it was the first time EA had actually asked the fans, who do you want to see on the cover of Madden? And Peyton Hillis, this, for all intents and purposes, one year wonder uh, with with the Cleveland Browns, got the on the cover of Madden and then immediately regressed to just the most pedestrian. I, I don't think he ever cracked 500 yards on a season or, or if he did I, I don't remember exactly but I don't think he did 500 yards a season again for the rest of his career and I think he was out of the league like four, four years later three or four years later yep. he was gone yeah um, so yeah I mean, I, I'm not one to believe in curses I'm not one for hexes and voodoo I don't know if you know that about me but um, the Madden curse that's real definitely 100% yeah I, I mean just just what you're saying just very quickly uh, 270 rush attempts in that first season with the Browns, 1,177 yards, 11 rushing touchdowns, and also two receiving touchdowns as well. So yeah. he, he lit up the Browns that in 2011, uh, 2010, sorry. And then, yeah, the, the 2011, the curse of Madden. And, and he was a big guy, Peyton Hillis. I, he was big, I, not, not quite your sort of uh, Mike Allstott size, but not far off. Six two two fifty. Yeah, a big guy, and, yeah. and and he could run through linebackers. He was he was he was a bowling ball. It's just it's 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 crazy. Sometimes you hear about these things and the likes of you know the, the Madden curse. Everyone laughs at it, of course. Um, but you see so many players on it on the front covers, and then you look at the, the way their careers went. And you think that's that's not very good. 
<laughs> I didn't go too well. Obviously, it's not everyone. But, um, yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes was on it. Uh, and then he won the Super Bowl. So, just just saying. There's, there's time. Just, just there's time. <laughs> Even a broken clock's right twice a day. That's, <laughs> that's very true, Jake. Yes, it is. Yes, it is indeed. Uh, I, for one, although although I am a, a Broncos fan, as you know, I sincerely hope Patrick Mahomes never suffers a, a bad injury because he's too much fun to watch. Yeah, that's he's, just what I was going to say. Oh, he's just... I, I love Patrick Mahomes. I, I, I wish I didn't because he plays for the Chiefs. But there's just something that is imminently likable about him. And I haven't seen a player do the things he does, honestly, since John Elway in the 80s. I've, not, I've never seen anyone do the things that, that Mahomes... And you could argue, and I wouldn't really argue very much with you, that Mahomes is doing things that no one has ever done before. He's no. probably one of the most excitable half-billionaires in the world. I think is <laughs> the best way to put him. I know, he hasn't got it yet. Because wow. in order to get that half-billion... He needs to see out his ten-year contract. I mean, it, it, he's 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 probably one of the most fun eight percent billionaires in the world <laughs> at this point. Oh, he definitely is. Definitely, yeah. I love watching Patrick Mahomes play, and it's 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 so weird. I mean, um, Jake, you're a Saints fan. Which team do you hate? There's got to be. Hey. I mean, I know hey, you hate yeah. all the division teams, but is there one that you're like, oh, I can't stand that team? No, the Falcons, but that's just yeah, that's just deep rooted and. There you just, go. So uh, yeah, so the, the Falcons, right? And I'm assuming you don't particularly like the Panthers, and you don't like the Bucks. Uh, week one, I'm a giant Panthers fan. Oh well, of course, yes. Keep pounding but, or whatever they. Do. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if the well, maybe not the Falcons because you know that's the one team that you despise. I like. I hate the Raiders. Being a Bronx fan, I hate the readers Patriots. more than I hate the Chiefs. Patriots, yeah, the Patriots. <laughs> everyone, everyone hates that. But, yes. but I respect the Patriots. That's the difference. I respect Bill Belichick. Yeah. Despite that, oh, no, I, I, I hate, I hate the Patriots. I hate seeing them win. But when they do win, I can appreciate why they win because of Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was going to say, Jake, was if. Let's say, for example, so you, you despise the Falcons, but let's say it was the Panthers. The Panthers get a player that you just loved watching, even though he plays for the Panthers. It be it would be the weirdest feeling. I mean, did you did you watch? Did you enjoy watching Cam Newton play? Because he was he was special. He was spectacular. I think you underestimate my pettiness. <laughs> if I had a player in the league who I love to watch and they went to the Panthers, they would be dead to me. You know, or they went but to the Falcons, you know. But, but my my pettiness knows no bounds. <laughs> but this is the thing. I hate the Chiefs. I, I really dislike them and I hate the Chargers. And see people that go on about oh, Justin Herbert. I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah, Justin Herbert's crap. Keenan Allen, ah, he's rubbish. <laughs> Austin Eckler, eh. But there's something about Patrick Mahomes. I don't know what it is. There's something about him. He's just, he's too much fun to watch. Now, obviously, when the Chiefs are playing the Broncos, I hope Mahomes has the worst games ever 
in the history of his career, which he kind of has done. His his stats against the Broncos in his career are appalling compared to everybody else. But um, I just, I can't dislike the man. He's just too much fun to watch. And uh, it, it's, it really, I am, I am feeling very ambivalent about this. Uh, I don't know. On one side, I, I absolutely hate him because he's so good and plays for the Chiefs. But on the other side, I'm like, it's great. It, it's kind of like, my current feelings towards Russell Wilson. I hate Russell Wilson because he played for the Seahawks for a decade. But he's now the quarterback for the Broncos. So I should love him, but I don't. I need to wait a couple of drives until I do. Do you know what I mean? I can't forgive him for 10 years of playing for the... Because I hate, I hate the Seahawks. I despise the Seahawks hate them you all know this yes and i can't love russell wilson just yet apologies russell if you're listening it's nothing personal well it is because you you played for the seahawks but uh, not not against you as a person just as a player just if you do well with the broncos all is forgiven and it won't take me long because uh, unlike unlike jake uh, I am petty both sides. So I'm, I will immediately embrace you when you start slinging touchdowns for the Broncos. Just saying. <laughs> we're we're going to have to get that put on your gravestone. Uh, <laughs> we, know, we know you're listening. <laughs> just, just have that on your gravestone. Well, yeah. listen, they, they probably are. Dude. It's still the off-season. I, 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 there's not much else to do. Is there? But exactly. You know, just hope you don't get cut and listen to the NFL show. Yes. Absolutely. And, and pretty, we what, don't mention you. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. That's what all I was doing. Because <laughs> if we do mention you, you're probably getting cut. Oh, I hope they don't cut Russell Wilson. I'll be raging if they do that. Uh, I did see the Broncos actually. They they um, mentioned, or, or sorry, they named Brett Rippon as the number two quarterback. So Josh Johnson, unfortunately, the great journeyman, um, the feature of one of our random stats just the other week there. Um, has been cut by the Denver Broncos. Hopefully, he'll find another team if if he if he doesn't make uh, the Broncos final roster. After you know, they always clean things up, and then you get practice squads and all that stuff. So, uh, I wouldn't like Josh Johnson to be out of the league. Um, so, uh, I hope he comes back. Another, do you know, another. I, I'm I'm actually gutted by this. Um, the Broncos cut. Hall of Famer Kendall Hinton. Uh, I'm I'm beside myself. After everything that man did for the organization, for them to cut him, I'm just I, I don't even know what to say. There's very few times that I've been disappointed in the Broncos organization. I was disappointed when they cut Philip Lindsay. I was disappointed when they traded Von Miller, although I understood the reasons for doing it. Um, And now I've been just immensely disappointed that they've cut the Hall of Famer, Kendall Hinton. I hope he comes back to the team. Um, But if he doesn't, then I hope he goes to a team that will give him a chance to win. Uh, And when I say win, I mean like win a lot of games, go to the playoffs, hopefully even win a Super Bowl because he deserves it. You're talking about a player who has done everything that was asked for him. He played cornerback. 
he played wide receiver, he played quarterback during the the the, the COVID year. He's done against everything. the Saints. Against the Saints, yes, indeed. And uh, he's just done everything. He he's he's already in the Hall of Fame. So why you would cut him is beyond me. I I don't see there being any reason. If I, if I'm a Broncos executive. Um, or whoever's making the decisions, if it is um, George Payton making the decisions as general manager. George, if you're listening, sign Kendall Hinton back to the squad. He deserves to be there, and he should be at the Broncos for life, and he should get a lifetime free eats at the Buckhorn Exchange in Denver, um, which is a fantastic restaurant, by the way. No, they're not sponsoring us, but my goodness, that's amazing. And if you're listening, you can sponsor us. If you're listening, anyone from the Buckhorn Exchange in Denver, feel free to sponsor us. Your food's the awesome. The Westernals podcast. Sponsor <laughs> us. Podcast. That makes logical sense. <laughs> of course, because, you know, anyone from the Westernals who goes to Denver, we can send them to the Buckhorn Exchange. It was all oh, oh, good business for them. That'll be booming business. The food was magnificent. Uh, anyway, right. So, in fact, funny story, right? So, um, the, the the other year there, last year, last November, my wife and I, my beloved wife, uh, we went to the United States on our honeymoon. And it was a very belated honeymoon because we actually got married in the August. We were supposed to get married the year before, but COVID happened. So, we got married in the August of last year. And then we, for our honeymoon, we went on a trip of the USA and we saw some amazing things. We went to Orlando. Uh, we went to um, Cape Kennedy. We went to Monument Valley in Arizona or, or Utah. I think it's like on the border there. It, just ridiculous. Went there on my birthday. It was amazing. Um, we went to Chicago. We went to New York. But we also went to Denver. And... We were in a hotel in Denver. It was like it was one of those. It was like it was like a high rise. It was more of an apartment building. You hired the entire apartment, but it's like a hotel. There's a bar downstairs, and there's uh, you know like a restaurant and stuff downstairs. But it's it's apartments. So we hired this apartment, and where uh, there was a second, we'd been there for one night, and the second night we went downstairs, and the guy at reception said came up to us as we were sitting at our table. I think it was a breakfast, and said. Excuse me, uh, he says. Are you uh, are you the, the McKinnon party? I, I I'm paraphrasing here. I don't think he said party, but you know we were having a good time. So maybe that's what he thought. We were having a party. Are you the McKinnon party? Uh, and I said yes. And he says um, you're from Scotland. <laughs> I was like yes. I go say. Where's this going? He says my family's from Sky. I says really. He says yeah, from Sky. Uh, and I was like, oh, wow. He says, do you know what? Go to the Buckhorn Exchange for dinner. Try and get it tonight if you can. He said, it's the best food in the entire city. So we did. And it was freaking amazing. Loved it. And I don't know the guy's, I can't remember the guy's name. I'm sure he told me, but I've forgotten. So apologies if you're listening to the podcast. Uh, and your recommendation was absolutely spot on. We never saw him again. He worked in the hotel, but we never saw him again, like the following morning or or, or the evening that we left. And uh, that we were in the, the Buckhorn Exchange. I had, I had this, just this most insane steak. It was absolutely brilliant. God, they, they know how to do food in America. 
It was it was wonderful. And there was like all these like stuffed animals in the Buckhorn Exchange. It was in fact I've my wife um brought a menu back from the Buckhorn Exchange. We still have the menu in the house uh, in Denver. It was it was wonderful. I loved it. I love the States. The States is amazing. We we got a pickup. We hired a pickup from uh, Denver. So we flew to Denver from Orlando via I think it was Austin, Texas. And, uh, or was it Dallas? It might have been Dallas. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We <laughs> flew to Denver. We hired a pickup truck and we drove from Denver to Monument Valley. Okay. Now, it's a long drive. It's about nine hours drive, maybe maybe 10. I'm not sure. It's a long drive anyway. Um, but when we drove, when we left Denver, it was about six, seven o'clock in the evening. And it was November, so it was starting to get dark. And we drove all the way through the night down to uh, Monument Valley uh, to a place called Golding's Lodge. That was also brilliant. And then we thought, we'll get up really early in the morning and we'll get to watch the sunrise over Monument Valley. And it was super cool. And we saw the sunrise. I saw a shooting star. This is on my birthday, the day of my birthday. And, and we had this wee balcony and it was amazing. I opened the, the, the curtains of the balcony and I saw this huge shooting star streaking across the sky. I was like, wow, look at that. It's amazing. And then we we got out um, in the, the pickup and we drove about half a mile up the road and we were in the middle of Monument Valley and we watched the sunrise and all the rocks were changing colours. It was absolutely glorious. But all the time we were driving down the night before, we kept passing all these signs for places and um, sites. But it was, it was pitch dark. You couldn't see a thing. And there was one thing that was called Mexican Hat Rock, right? So I was thinking, <laughs> why would a place be called Mexican Hat Rock? Surely you would just call it Sombrero Rock. And I don't know if this is just me being slightly uh, casually racist against Mexicans. So if there's any Mexicans listening to the podcast, I apologize immediately. However, the sign says Mexican Hat Rock. So I was like, hmm. So anyway, we're, we're driving back the following day and we're driving. We didn't realize we were actually driving through all the parts of Monument Valley. And during the day, it's incredible. These big stone arches and these massive monuments. You're like, oh my, what is this incredible? And then we see this sign from Mexican Hat Rock. And I was like, oh, here it is. I wonder what it actually looks like. And then... <laughs> My wife says to me, oh, um, I'm sure we'll know it when we see it. And I was like, well, I don't know, there's a lot of rocks around here. And then as we're driving along, she points out the, the, the window and says, uh, I think that might be it over there. And I turn around and there, you can Google this if you want, is a rock that looks like a wee fat man wearing a sombrero. That's what it looks like. So you can Google it now. If, if you've got your, your, your phones and your computers, or Mexican hat rock. It's the funniest thing. We took loads of photos of this. But it's absolutely hilarious. And then we're driving through the, back up to Denver. And have you ever heard the old saying, you can't cross the same river twice? Have you ever heard the saying before, guys? Or of, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, oh, you can't cross the same river twice. Well, Anyone who said that has never driven between <laughs> Utah and Colorado. Because trust me, we crossed the Colorado River about 40 times. Every time we went over a bridge, it said Colorado River. Every, every single bridge was the Colorado River. I was like, why do we keep crossing the Colorado River? I assumed that we were just going in a straight line and the river was just meandering 
constantly around. <laughs> it was just unbelievable. But it, honestly, if you ever get the chance to go to the States, you have to go to Monument Valley. It was absolutely amazing. It's one of the most, it was almost, it was surreal, this experience. You're seeing all these places that you've seen in the movies. And there's a particular road. It's like a really straight road, right? And and it, it goes down and then it goes up. And at the end of it is, is part of Monument Valley. And it's on the front cover of the, like the, the Bessie Eagles album. It was in the film Forrest Gump. They used it in the film Back to the Future. It's uh, <laughs> It's been used in hundreds of, of pop culture things. Uh, it was just amazing. I have no idea why I'm telling you any of this. I, 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 I don't know. How did this start? What were we talking about? I, I can't. I can't tell you. So, um, I, I, I zoned out. I lost track of time. I. I, I don't know how we. Sorry, got guys. Um, I don't know. Kendall Hilton. Kendall Hilton. Kendall Hinton. So Kendall Hinton <laughs> needs to be re-signed. George Payton. Re-sign Kendall Hinton. That's where. Thank you, Jake. Well done. I, I remembered. <laughs> I. Don't, I have no idea how I got onto driving. Anyway, it doesn't matter, because I'll carry on going. Kendall Hinton needs to be re-signed by the Broncos. There we are. There we're done. And I, I, there we are. Jake, Dave, you can end the podcast because I'm, uh, I think I'm done. Okay. Oh, well, my, my, yeah, I was just going to say hats off to that story there, uh, Neil. So, brumch. Mexican uh, hats off. Oh, <laughs> Mexican oh, hats oh. off. Get me off. Get me off this world. <laughs> Look, we're just we're we're just two citizens living in the Neosa world, Jake. I, th- I think that's pretty much all we can take from that. Well, the the only update I have is whilst Neosa was saying that story, the Vikings cut Emma Smith Marset, which now takes them to seven out of eleven twenty twenty one picks gone. So it's just growing by the by the minute. So that was a, an update. We're now up to seven out of eleven, not six. Good grief! What's going on in the world? Well, players getting cut. Oh, that's what's going on. And the, the Titans are bringing in Josh Gordon for a visit. I'm Ooh. just going to keep refreshing Twitter because it's going to be a busy couple of days, I think. Well, uh, I think if we keep doing that, we'll be here all night, gentlemen. So maybe we should think about signing off. Um, thank you for listening to my rubbish. I do apologize going off on a slight tangent there. Um, Dave, good to have you back, pal. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Always a joy. Uh, Jake, it's always good to have you uh, here as well with your encyclopedic knowledge of the NFL and all its ongoings. Uh, well, I I will be here and I will keep hopefully you in check for, for somewhat. Um, obviously, we've got we've got something coming up um, where I feel like I may get maybe two words in, but I'm looking forward to it all the same. Uh, yes, uh, we are. We are hoping to have a, a guest on next week's podcast. Uh, we, of course, we'll let you know. Uh, keep an eye out on Twitter uh, at the WinFL Show. Of course, you can find myself, uh, Dave, and Jake on Twitter as well. Feel free to hit us up. Um, anyone who wants to sponsor us, <laughs> please, please sponsor us uh, on the podcast. Uh, my name is Winnie McKinnon here with Jake and Dave, and we really appreciate everyone listening in to the podcast. It's been absolutely fantastic. And uh, Jake, thank you. Uh, thank you as always. Dave, thank you. And wait for next week. Thank you so much. Not at all. And thank you all for listening to this week's edition of the WinFL Show.